Sorry about that. <laughs> My name's Tasha, and I'm one of the staff here. I'll be doing the Bible reading this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'd love to gift you one. Um, they're on the back table. We'll be reading from um, John chapter 1 this morning. So John 1, 1 to 14. In the, be- in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was <coughs> with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Darren's excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. And thank you for joining us here on this Christmas day as we celebrate what it means that God came into this world. If I don't know you, my name's James. I'm one of the pastors here. And I've got the joy of opening up God's Word this morning on this Christmas Day. Let's pray and ask God to help us now as we come to his word. Heavenly Father, we ask now that we'll see the beauty and the wonder of who Jesus really is and that we'll love to serve him and to receive him as King and as Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In in February 2009, I got married to the beautiful wife, Ali. And, And one thing I like about weddings is you get plenty of gifts. And that year, I reckon I got one of the best wedding gifts ever. And a mate bought us, he gave us a wedding gift, it was a ladder. And I thought, that's a great wedding present because you get to use a ladder all the time. And I still have that ladder, I can clean the gutters out, I can trim the trees, I can change the light bulbs, even though I can actually really touch the roof. But it was an incredible gift to receive. Now, weddings, you get heaps of gifts that are really, really good. But in 2009, it was the year of white platters. Now, not only did we get one, two, three, but it seems like we got four, five, six, and it just goes on and on and on. And we get home for our honeymoon and we're unpacking the gifts and we've got all these white food platters and I just didn't know what to do with them. As we're there, we're packing them into the buffet and it's like ours, like we've got so many white platters that we just don't know what to do with. And so we pack them into the buffet and 12 months later you go, they're still there and you don't know what to do with them. So you pull them out and I was like, what do we do with them? They're wedding presents. So you just put them back because you just don't know what to do with them. Now, Christmas is a time of gifts. We receive heaps of gifts. We get great gifts. Men get socks, they get undies. Um, women get jewellery and chocolates and hand lotion. And you know what to do with those kind of gifts. You get an Xbox, you know exactly what to do with it. You get a Nintendo Switch. They're gifts that you know what to do with. But then there are the gifts that you just don't know what to do with. You know, 
you get the 10th pair of barbecue tongs. You get the back scratcher from your Aunt Jan, who's got it from the $2 shop, who just doesn't know what to do for you, and so she just buys it. You get deodorant, you've got too much, and you just don't know what to do with these gifts. And so you put them away. You put them in you know, some of your blokes, you head down to where your car's parked, and you find a shelf at the back, and you hide it so no one will ever find it. Some of you put it in the vanity in your bathroom just to hide it because you just don't know what to do with it. But when your aunt comes along who gave you that hand lotion, you pull it out and you put it on the vanity so it looks like you cherish the gift. And then as soon as she's gone, you put it back in the cupboard because you just don't know what to do with it. But I wonder if we do the same with Jesus every Christmas. Amongst the nativity scenes, the Christmas lights and the shopping, I wonder do we just sometimes don't know what to do with Jesus. You know, you come every Christmas and it's that one week, but for the other 51 weeks you put it aside. Maybe it's you come to church every Sunday, but during the week it's put to the side. Maybe you come from an Eastern religion, whether you're Hindu or Muslim, and it's just like, well, who is Jesus really? But what do I do with him? I just don't know what to do with him. He's just a good prophet. We just don't know what to do with him. But today, what I want to do on this Christmas day is we think about the birth of Jesus. I want us to stop, and I've got four reasons why you should do something with Jesus. Four reasons why he's the greatest gift ever. Because this Bible reading that was read by Tash and John, it's actually written, John tells us later on, that it's written so that you and me might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that you may have life in him. And so this morning I've got four reasons why Jesus is the great gift, greatest gift ever. And the first one is that Jesus is God. The first one is that Jesus is God. Have you ever asked that question of God and you say, God, if only you would make yourself known to me. If only you would show me who you are. Maybe you ask the question, God, I just wish you knew the pain and the suffering of what I am going through right now. Do you know what I'm going through right now? But Christmas reminds us that God has made himself known and he does know our suffering. In verses 1 and 2 of, of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, whenever I use the word Word, it's actually, later on we find out that's Jesus. So, in the beginning was the Word, which in the beginning was Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, in verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God. Jesus is God. And so if you're here today and you're asked that question, I want God to make himself known to me, he has at Christmas. He's made himself known in a real person in Jesus. So look to Jesus. See, the good news of Jesus didn't start in a manger. It started in eternity past. God, who eternally existed, has become one of us. So you can't just leave Jesus as a moral teacher or a wise person and leave it at that. No, he is the eternal God. See, Christmas time reminds us that God has taken on humanity. He takes on our humanity. 
God, Jesus is the God man. And in that moment that Mary and Joseph are holding baby Jesus in their hand, they're actually holding God. And that means that God isn't impersonal, personable. It means he's personal. It means that God has descended to us. Every other religion in the world says God's impersonal. That we have to ascend. We have to climb the ladder. We need to empty ourselves and do all these things so that we can be like God or God or, or come to God. Or we need to climb the ladder of these five things or the ten or the twenty things we must do to ascend to the realm of God. But Christmas actually reminds us that God descended and came to us. And it means that we know that God has come to us. That means that Christ has shared in our human struggles. So that's the first reason why Jesus is God. That's the first reason why Jesus is the greatest gift ever, because he is God. And why do we know that he's God? It was because of the deeds he did. He, the things that Jesus did, only God could do. He calmed the storm. He spoke and the wind stopped. He raised a child from the dead. He fed 20,000 people and just these fish just kept multiplying. He did things that only God can do. See, not only is Jesus God, but here's the second reason why Jesus is the greatest gift ever. It's because he is the creator as well. See, Jesus, the word, brings order to our darkness. He brings order out of our chaos. See, in verse 3, it takes us back to the idea of creation in the book of Genesis. In verse 3, through Jesus, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. All things. See, Colossians says that it was all things were created by him, through him, and for him. See, Jesus has created this world. And that means a couple of things for us today. Here's a couple of things of what it means for us. Firstly, that this planet and the universe isn't a mistake. It isn't something that just randomly happened at a time that just randomly and, and, and it all just appeared. No, it means that actually we have purpose and meaning. This world and you, we are not mistakes. And therefore, that's the second thing. It means that there is purpose and meaning in this world. If it was created through him and for him, it means that we have purpose and life in this world. But if it was created through him and for him, it means that we don't, we're not meant to find life and purpose in creation, but we're meant to find life and purpose in the creator. And so this creator, he comes into our universe as a baby. And he's going to bring order back out of chaos and darkness. But why is the world so messed up then if it's meant to have meaning and purpose and we're meant to, to live for God? Well, the reason it's so messed up is because we've ignored and rejected the one who created the universe. We didn't want him. And we said in Genesis chapter 3, we want to live life our way under our command and we think that we're going to know what's best to be satisfied and have the fulfilled life. And yet we said no and so 
Now, because of that, because we are in a messed up world, we go everywhere but to God to find life and purpose. So instead of finding life and meaning and purpose in the Creator, we go to the things that He has created. And so we seek to be satisfied in everything but God Himself. And so you might be here today and you're seeking to be satisfied, you're seeking to find life. And so for you, you're finding life in the culture of comfort. The endless hours of scrolling TikTok and Instagram go by, three hours have gone by and it's numbed you and you feel comfortable. The endless hours of watching Netflix and binging on TV series in the pursuit of finding a culture of of comfort. You love the comfort of using Amazon. So you go for endless hours of buying stuff and because you're watching Amazon and you have a Prime membership, you get free delivery and you get to watch Amazon as much as you want. And then there's that sense of finding comfort in food, eating, Uber Eats, takeaway and, and enjoying it, trying to find comfort in a culture of comfort. Or maybe you're here today and that comfort culture is not attractive at all to you. It's like, who would want to live like that? But you're attracted to the culture of self-work, self-pursuit, self-improvement, working long hours. You have this pursuit of the relentless pursuit of self-improvement. You work hard. You're known to be someone who works hard and at every challenge that's thrown your way, you will pursue and you will succeed. You work long hours for a good name to pay a mortgage and, and have a name within the community. You keep challenging yourself to do more and more and more to pursue a better you and yourself. You never give up and you're the kind of person that grinds. You grind your teeth until you win. And you might read endless self-help books as well. Now David Goggins, a former Navy SEAL, he's that kind of dude. And he said in his book can't hurt me, master your mind and defy the odds. See, what he's doing is he's saying, here's where you want to find the satisfying life. And he says this, I don't stop when I'm tired. I stop when I'm done. And whether you are like David Goggins, maybe you're the person who's pursuing the self-help, the work hard, the relentless pursuit to find satisfaction and meaning in your jobs, your careers, in the fitness industry, or whether you're here today and you go, man, that's silly. I'd rather find comfort in streaming endlessly and having eat out and buying off Amazon. All of us are actually in those things looking for life. We're looking to be satisfied. In all those areas, we're actually looking for God to be satisfied. See, it's that yearning inside of us tells us that there's something that was, that's missing. See, G.K. Chesterton once said, he said this about humanity. A man knocking on the door of, of a brothel is looking for God. He's actually looking for God. Now, you might be here today and you think, I'm not that man knocking on the door of a brothel, looking for life and satisfaction. But you're the man who's here, who's endlessly working, seeking to pursue the self-help movement and grinding your teeth to get a name for you and your family. And you're exactly like that man who's knocking on the door of a brothel looking for God. Or whether you're a woman here today and 
Maybe it's the endless hours of Instagram and TikTok trying to find comfort and look to make sure that your house is comfortable and everything's in the right spot, that the carpet's in the right place, the lounge's in the right place, hours of things like that. And you think, man, fuel. I'm not like the women who are knocking on the door of porn looking for God. But actually you are just like those who are looking for God in porn. Because see, all of us are looking for God. That's what C.S. Lewis talks about. There's this hole in us that we're trying to fill. And so no matter how hard we try to find God in those things, we're never satisfied. No matter how hard we try to work, we cannot bring order and life out of chaos and darkness. And it's only in Jesus that we can find those things. <clears throat> Therefore, that brings us to the third reason why Jesus is the best gift ever. See, we've been made for purpose by the Creator to find life in Him, but we haven't. But this Creator is also the one we find life in. Jesus is the life. I wonder how many of us here today might be thinking, okay, James, but if I do follow Jesus and really commit to Him, He's going to suck and hamper my life. As a teenager, as an adult, you might think, if I follow Jesus, He's going to take the fun out of life. But verse 4 says, in Jesus, in him, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Maybe 2022 wasn't the most satisfying life for you this year. You didn't find satisfaction and happiness. You came out of 2021 of lockdown going, I just can't wait to get to Christmas, and next year I'm going to find life. My family's sort of arguing, there's, there's mess, there's chaos. Next year I will find life and satisfaction. 2022's come along and there's still chaos and mess in your world, and you start to realise that it actually wasn't COVID that was your problem. It was that you were looking for life in the wrong place. See, Christmas, maybe this year it's a reminder that that you haven't had the most satisfying life this year and you've been let down. It's not the most satisfying year because you feel like, my family's in a mess. There's toxic relationships, it's dysfunctional, and you're just hoping today around the Christmas lunch table that an argument won't break out. Your family relationships are majorly strained. You are hoping that in your job and your career or in your business it was going to find life and satisfaction, but you've been let down. <clears throat> looking for God in the wrong area. But, but Christmas is also a time where many of us are going to sit around the Christmas table today and we're reminded of the real reality of death. There is one less seat there. There's one person missing. There's one less voice that normally speaks who is now is gone. And we come to the reality that we realise that death always wins. Death is a reality. It takes people. The reminder of death at Christmas is there. But death is also a reminder for us that it's actually a consequence of our sin and our rebellion for finding life outside of God. For the wages of sin is death. But Christmas reminds us as Jesus breaks into this world as God as God comes to our humanity, as the Creator steps in to bring order out of chaos, there is life and hope to be found in Him. See, Lazarus, Jesus grows up and his friend Lazarus dies. He's been in the tomb for three days. And later in the Gospel of John, like if you've been in the tomb for three days, you smell, your body's blowing up, your body's eating itself, and Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and the word He speaks, 
and he brings Lazarus back from the grave. He brings chaos back to order. He, he brings Lazarus back from the dead. And he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And later on, Jesus goes to a cross where he's crucified, where he's buried, and he is raised on the third day to remind us that he really is the life. That's an exclusive claim. Only true life, true life can be found in him. Jesus is the life that we are looking for this Christmas. He's the life that we're looking for because we know that he knows our suffering and our pain. He's taken on our humanity. But why can we be confident that if we turn to Jesus, we can have life? Well, that's the fourth reason. Because Jesus is the light. You walk into a, your lounge room and it's dark. And I walk in on bare feet and it's ouch, 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 ouch. And it's like, I can't see anything and it hurts my feet. And I turn the light on and it exposes that the room is filled with Lego scattered everywhere. See, light exposes. It reveals what's really there. See, darkness is the absence of light. And in the Gospel of John, darkness is evil. It's wickedness. It's sin. When he talks about darkness, and in verse 9 it says, The true light, right? The true, the real light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. At Christmas time, we are reminded that the true light breaks into our darkness. And that we don't draw near to Jesus. He draws near to us. But see, the reality is of our wickedness and our evil and the world that we live in, no matter how hard you try and I try, we can never overcome the darkness. Have you noticed that? There's still a war in Ukraine. There's still people shot dead last week. There's still people who would have been abused last night. We live in a wicked world and no matter how hard you and me try, we can never overcome the darkness. But darkness cannot overcome the true light. It has no power over darkness. Sorry, sorry, darkness has no power over the true light. So we have this idea of good and evil. We think a bit like Batman and Robin and the Joker. We think that we just hope that good will win. We just hope that the Joker won't be powerful enough. But that's not Christianity. God always wins. And so therefore today, if you're a Christian here, you cannot outsin the light that you smother the true light if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus there is nothing that you have done that is so dark and so evil that it will cover the light or smother the light and how has that light been overcome it's been overcome at the cross of Jesus Christ that through his life death and resurrection he's overcome this chaos and if you're a child of God there's no fear of evil or darkness or death. But I suppose we, it's left with the question, is, but why do we have trouble wanting Jesus to be the light? It's because of the darkness. Light exposes you and me for who we really are. A couple of years ago, I was, um, I was in the lounge room and I was playing the guitar and I thought in that moment I was the best singer out the best guitar player out. And I thought I was going to be on Carols on Domain. I thought I was going to be the next Michael Bublé. I was singing to my heart's content, pitch perfect. I thought I was so good. I was pumped. And a little while later, my wife, Ali, walks in and says, hey, I've recorded you singing from the other room. And I thought, this is going to be great. Finally, I can sing. 
but I was exposed for who I really was as she played back that audio. See, it exposed me for who I really was, and yet at the same time as it exposed me, it saved me from myself. See, Jesus is the light who exposes every single one of us for who we really are, and yet he's the same light who can save us. God's mercy and grace, the one who exposes me is also the one who died for me. The same light that exposes us is the same light that can redeem us and restore us. That's the beauty and the wonder of Christmas. That's the beauty and the wonder of the gospel. That as Jesus is crucified, as he lived the life that we could not live, as he's been crucified on a cross, that light exposed every single one of us in this room that we were wicked and that we had sinned. In that moment, it exposed us for who we really are. But at the same moment, at the cross, we can be redeemed and rescued because through Christ's life, death and resurrection, we can be redeemed. He lived the life we could not live. He died the death we should have died. He paid the price we should have paid. He was buried and he rose from the grave so that we could have life in him. See, God the creator, Jesus himself broke into our world. He's the creator. He is life and life and he can redeem us. But how do you receive this wonderful gift? Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How do you receive him? It's those who believe in Jesus. What does that mean to believe? It just means to believe that he really is God light and life, that he is the son of God. I heard it put this way this week. This might be helpful. I heard it put this way of what it means to receive him. Imagine this afternoon, you wake up in an ambulance headed towards Westmead Hospital. You wake up, the ambo's over you, you try to lift yourself up and the ambo driver says, no, 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 sit back down and rest. You've been in a very tragic accident but we're on our way to the hospital we've got the drips in we've got everything in and everything is going to be okay when you get to the hospital it's all going to be okay you just need to rest so what's the ambo driver saying in that moment he's not asking you or me to do anything he's just saying you need to trust what i have just said is true and we just trust We had to just trust and believe what Jesus has done, that you and me were headed for death because of our sin and that Jesus, who is God, came into our world as a man to rescue us through dying on a cross in our place and raising from the grave. Believe what Jesus said he has done. That's what it means to receive him this Christmas. See, what have we seen today? We've seen that Jesus is God, his creator, his life and light. In February, we moved house. We moved house in February, and guess what we had to pack up? Our buffet, and it had white platters in it. We packed it up, we moved to our new house, we got the buffet out, and Al's like, what do we do with this? And guess what I said? I just don't know what to do with these white platters. And so we just put them back in the buffet for another 12 months, and they'll see them again, and I just don't know what to do with them. Friends, family, people I have not yet met, don't do that this year with Jesus. But receive him for whom he's shown who he is. God, creator, life and light. Because see, hope this Christmas is found in the very person that you keep putting back into the cupboard each year until Christmas comes around. Hope, it's a gift of true hope. What are you going to do with Jesus this Christmas? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your Son into the world, that we didn't have to ascend to your heights, but you descended to us. And Christmas is a reminder that you took on our humanity, that you came into this world to bring order out of chaos, that you brought life to us in your Son, Jesus. And Father, may we delight in that wonderful hope today, no matter our circumstances that we are in on this Christmas day. Father, help us to receive this gift and not to put it away, but to delight in it today on this Christmas day. Amen.